Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. As a kid, I used to love Highlights Magazine. Anybody remember Highlights Magazine? <laughs> Those of you who don't know what it is, it was an educational magazine designed for kids, and it had in it uh, stories and puzzles and pictures and all kinds of fun things. And one of, the, one of my favorite parts of Highlights was this little uh, thing called Look and Look Again. And the idea was that they put up two pictures that initially looked identical, but the more that you study them, the more you start to see that there's some differences. So here's an example from the good people at Highlights Magazine. So at first glance, they appear to be mirror images, but you just start to concentrate a little more and you start to spot the differences. For example, one of those elephants has an eye shut. You know, the mountains in the background are a little different. One of the snowmen is wearing a top hat. Now, I'm going to cut you off there because I can tell by your faces you are super into this. So <laughs> we, we want you to be able to concentrate on God's word too. Um, but, but listen, <clears throat> in, in the book of James, our author essentially does the same thing with Christianity. He holds up two pictures. He says, take a look at both of them. At first glance, they appear to be identical. But the more you study the more you start to see the differences. For example, in James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so you have on one side uh, a person who reads the Bible, and then on the other side a person who reads the Bible and obeys it. James says that's the true Christian. And then in chapter 2, James says in verse 14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? So in one picture is a person who says, I'm a Christian based on what I believe, and the other picture says, I'm a Christian based on how I behave. And James says, look at the one who's got actions with the faith. That's the authentic Christian. And then in James 3, verse 10, he says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. James says, you want to be able to spot the real from the counterfeit? Just listen to the way they speak. Today, we continue in our message series through the book of James that we're calling Counterfeit. And it's all about identifying real, authentic Christianity. And each week, we're taking a section of verses from one chapter, and there's only five chapters of the book of James, and so today we'll be in James chapter 3. So if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, you can turn in your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to James chapter 3. We're going to read through a number of verses and see what we can draw out to apply to our lives as it pertains to our speech. So we're going to begin in verse 1 of James chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. We'll have the verses posted up there. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I still remember the very first message I preached. I had just graduated from college, and 
my friend's dad was a pastor, and he was getting ready to go on vacation and needed somebody to cover the preaching for that Sunday morning. It was a very, very small church, and so he must have gone all the way through his list of potential replacements and got desperate enough that he asked me, because everyone else must have said no. <laughs> and I never wanted to be a pastor. I actually wanted to be a sportscaster, and so he probably thought, okay, well, if he could stand in front of a camera, he could stand in front of a room full of people. And so he asked me, and I was just a single guy. I hadn't gotten a job yet. It's not like I didn't have the time, so <laughs> I reluctantly agreed, and I went to this small church, and I preached my first message. It was on taking opportunities to share Christ. And I fumbled my way through the message, and then afterwards, people came up to me, and they were very, very complimentary. I was wow, that was such a great job. Now, granted, there was only 10 people at the church, so it wasn't like a really high standard, but still, even one guy slipped me a $20 bill because of my efforts. I'm like, man, this preaching gig is lucrative. You know? And so I, I was thankful, and I'm glad that I did it, and you know, went home. A couple, day, couple days later, I was uh, at my house alone, and the doorbell rings. So I go, and I peek through the little keyhole thing on the door, and uh, it was a religious group that likes to hand out literature. And so I did what any of you did. I shut off the lights and pretended no one was home, right? <laughs> Tiptoed around until they eventually left, and once they got off my porch, then I breathed a sigh of relief and felt immediately convicted. Because just a couple of days earlier, I preached a message on taking opportunities to share Christ. And here came an opportunity that was literally on my porch, and I shied away from it. And that's when I discovered this preaching thing is hard. Okay? I didn't mind standing up in front of people. Nobody told me I was supposed to live it. You know, and I think in James's day, there's a lot of people who wanted to be teachers. A lot of people who wanted the spotlight. A lot of people who wanted the glory. The problem was they wanted to give the message, but they didn't want to live the message. And James sounds a warning for every single Christian who's reading these words. If you're going to crack open God's word and teach somebody else, you better be ready to practice what you preach. And I could tell you as a preacher, it ain't easy. Let's continue. Verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. James says, okay, that's everybody. Every single person falls short. Every single person does not meet the standard, specifically when it comes to the way we speak. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So now in these next couple of verses, James is going to give us three examples, two that are all about being under control and one that is all about being out of control. And the first he gives us is a horse. And in typical James fashion, he gives us two pictures, a bridled horse and a wild horse. A bridled horse has a small piece of wood in its mouth that keeps the horse under control. And when a horse is bridled, it can be very helpful. It can, it can serve as transportation. It can help with labor. It can help make us money. But when that horse is wild, it can be harmful. It's chaotic. It goes wherever it wants. It tramples people. And the same is true with our words. Our words can be wild. Our words can be harmful. Our words can go to places and trample people. So James says that's why it's got to be under control so that they can be helpful. Then he moves us from land to sea. Verse 4. Or take ships as an example. 
Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So here's another example of being under control. You have a boat that has a small piece of wood connected to the steering wheel called a rudder. And when you have this rudder, the ship can, can make intentional routes. But a ship that doesn't have a rudder, it's just blown around by the wind and often ends up in places it never intended to go. Ever been there when it comes to your words? You said things that you never intended for them to go to a certain place. That's why, that's why James says you got to be under control. Be intentional with your words. So those are the examples of being under control. Here's the example of being out of control. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. These are the power of words. Now, we living here in Southern California know all about wildfires, don't we? A couple of years ago, there's one called the Ranch Fire. Burned 400,000 acres. You know how it started? Someone was hammering a metal stake, and one tiny spark flew off and landed in dry vegetation. 400,000 burnt acres later, it was finally contained. And James warned us, the same is possible for you and I when we are out of control. He wants every one of us to know that this little muscle, this little thing, can scorch the earth. But what really bothered James was that many self-proclaimed Christians didn't take it seriously. So he called them out, verse 9. He said, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So James is calling everybody on the carpet who claims to be a follower of Jesus. It says, how is it possible that you can declare God's praises and defame God's people? Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. It says, how is it possible with, that, with the same mouth we turn around and we give God praise, but then we tear down people who are made in God's image? It doesn't add up. And this was reflected in an earlier statement James made just two chapters earlier in James chapter 1, verse 26, when he said, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James says, when your words are reckless, your religion is worthless. That's pretty powerful. So how are you doing in this area? How are you doing when it comes to your words? This afternoon when you're watching football and the ref calls a roughing the passer penalty on your favorite team, what words do you scream at the television? <laughs> when you're with the family for lunch and the topic of politics comes up, what words do you use to describe issues and policies and people? When your kids start pressing your buttons and disobeying and and being disrespectful, what words do you fire back at them to, to remind them who the boss is? When you see someone who has a different style than you, a different hair color than you, 
Maybe they have a disability or some other distinguishing feature different from you. Do you make fun of them? Do you slip in a, a snide remark to get a cheap laugh? My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And by the way, James isn't just limiting us to spoken words. This also includes written words. I mean, how many self-proclaimed Christians worship Jesus and then turn around and type hate-filled posts on Facebook and Twitter and text messages and direct messages? How many people are sending inappropriate things to others? That's all included in James's talk. You know, some of you are hearing this message and you're thinking, preach, pastor, somebody needs to hear this. Not me, but somebody needs to hear this. You know, maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm good in this area. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not harsh with my words towards other people. I don't, I don't post offensive things online. Okay. How about the words you say to yourselves? What do you say when you, what do you say to yourself when you see your body in the mirror? <laughs> what do you say to yourself when you make a mistake? What do you say to yourself when someone smarter or prettier or more experienced walks into the room? Some of you are so harsh with the words you just speak to yourselves. And James is saying, this should not be. You want to tell the difference between an authentic Christian and a counterfeit Christian? Just listen to the way they talk. So what's the solution? You know, at the top of, at the top of chapter 3 in my Bible, there's a little subheading that says, taming the tongue. So whoever added these subheadings after the Bible was written, they're trying to help us to know what the Scripture was about. But as you read James, it seems like maybe taming the tongue isn't even possible. I mean, look at what he says in verse 7 of James 3. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wait, so we can't even do it? We can't even tame our tongues? Why bother even trying then? See, one of the things I love about James is he doesn't always come right out and say, this is what you got to do. Instead, like a, like a really wise friend or relative, he asks really good questions to get you thinking of what you need to do. And he asks a powerful question that I believe is the key to controlling our tongues. And it's found in verse 11 when he asks this. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the reason why this is such a powerful question, because now it gets to the issue of the source. What is the water source in your life? I want you to think back to the last time you went to the beach. And let's say you were sitting outside for many hours under the hot sun and you got thirsty, but you didn't have anything to drink. So you grab your cup and you walk over to the ocean and you scoop it up and you drink it down. How's that go for you? <laughs> that would not be a good idea. You see, because our bodies only need a little bit of salt, but they need a lot of fresh water. So if you keep drinking salt water, what, what that will do is that will throw your body into chaos. 
You see, God designed our kidneys to be able to pass excess salt out of our bodies through urine. But if you keep drinking in salt water, you'll pass more fluid out of your body than you're taking in, which will lead to dehydration, which will ultimately lead to uh, muscle pains, which could lead to uh, kidney problems, which could lead to organ failure, which could ultimately lead to a coma, and then ultimately lead to death. Drinking salt water is not healthy. Our bodies need fresh water. Salt water and fresh water are very different. They do not come from the same place. So James is asking all of us, what is the source of your water? I love Jesus' teachings on this exact same kind of subject. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow. And so we have a great picture here that our hearts are like wells. And we lower the bucket down. And then when we bring it back up, what comes splashing out of that bucket, that's our words. That's the overflow. That's the abundance of our hearts. And so if you have salt water as the source, your speech is going to be salty. And alternatively, if you have fresh water as the source, that's going to come out too. And I bet many of you have probably experienced this in your own lives. I wonder how many of you have been in situations where everything was, was good and right in your world. You were calm. You were fine. And then something occurred that bothered you. And you opened your mouth and you just began lashing out mean, cutting words. And maybe you even surprised yourself. Like, where did that come from? It came from the overflow of your heart. When you have salt water festering down as your source and you lower the bucket down, that's what comes splashing out. And at the same time, I bet some of you experience this in positive ways too. Maybe you were sharing Christ with someone or offering some godly advice. And maybe you don't consider yourself a really confident communicator, but on this day, you opened up your mouth and words of wisdom just started flying out and maybe you even surprised yourself, like, wow, where did that come from? It came from your water source. It came from the overflow of your heart. You had the fresh waters of God's word in your soul, and when you lowered the bucket, that's what came splashing out. That's the idea that James is trying to get out here when he asks us this question, can both salt water and fresh water flow from the same source? And the answer is no. And for many of us, the reason why we have such trouble with our words is because we've got salt water in the soul. And so what is the solution? How, how, can we, how can we get some progress and some victory in our lives in this particular area? Well, I want to give you a couple of uh, application points that maybe these could be helpful for you. So if you're taking notes, jot this down. Here's what I believe are some helpful ways to control the tongue. Number one, start strong. What I mean by this is that the reason why so many of us struggle with our words is because we start off our days so weak. For example, how many of you start off each morning by hitting the snooze button 37 times? Okay. That may buy you a couple of minutes under the covers, but there's a price that is paid too. Because now by the time you get out of bed, you're in hurry mode, which elevates your stress, which affects your driving 
And God forbid somebody gets in front of you that's going 15 miles below the speed limit. Suddenly, everyone on the road is your competitor, and you're weaving in and out of traffic. And if anybody goes too fast or too slow, you're screaming at them, you idiot, where did you learn how to drive? And maybe even using a few other choice words. How many of you start off your day swiping your phone? Maybe, maybe you wake up and the first thing you read is the market report. And instantly your mind starts doing the math of all the money you lost while you were sleeping. Or you pick it up and you come across a social post. Your ex talking about how great their life is now. A family member going off on some offensive rant. And it just gets your blood boiling. And now you're stepping out of bed angry. And if anybody gets in your war path, look out. And for many Christians, this is how it goes day after day after day. When do you get any refreshing? When do you ever spend time in prayer? You know, the great King David in the Old Testament once penned these powerful words. They're found in Psalm 19.14. He says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What if we just started our days with that prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. What I love about this prayer is that it speaks to the whole person, right? The words of my mouth, that's the bucket. The meditation of my heart, that's the well. See, David understood there's a connection. That when you invite Christ into your situations, into your lives, even just starting the day, and start to meditate on his word, it's going to affect your speech. And so what would it look like if, if you just started your day praying this and maybe asking God, God, lead me to some scripture this morning that I could meditate on. You start your day off that way, and I guarantee it's going to change the way you speak. Now remember, this isn't just a switch that you could flip. Remember James's words in verse 8 of James 3? He said, no human being can tame the tongue. We can't do this on our own. Naturally, we have salt water in the spring. We need Jesus to cleanse those waters, to give us the fresh water in our souls so that it will reflect in the way that we speak. So the first thing I think that's going to be helpful for controlling our tongue is, number one, start strong. Here's the second one. Slow down. Slow down. I'd be willing to guess that most of us in here, when it comes to wounding others with our words, it probably happened in haste. Someone said something to you, so you reacted, and you said something back. Somebody sent you an angry email, so you said, oh, I'm going to show them, and you hit reply, and you typed away, and boom, you hit send. You know, Apple just recently released a a new update for its software, which allows you to delete emails and text messages already sent. Boy, where was that in my life for the last 20 years? <laughs> Here's the deal. I don't need Apple to help me tame my tongue. I've got to slow down. James says, listen again to the, to the power of these words. Verse 6 of James 3, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. 
Essentially, James is saying, we're all walking around with loaded guns. This thing right here. It's not locked away in the safe. It's not without bullets. This thing is loaded. And if you're not careful, it could mess up your whole life. Think James is exaggerating? Just ask the L.A. City Council. (laughs) In case you missed it, this past week, some audio recordings were made available of some council members from Los Angeles. And one of them was heard just speaking these devastatingly racist remarks. Guess what? It cost her her job and likely an entire career in politics. James is wanting to raise our blood pressure here a little bit so that we understand just how important it is for us to choose our words, which is why he said this just two chapters earlier in James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. You see, when we slow down We give ourselves a chance to think. We give ourselves a chance to measure our words, to spend a little bit of time in prayer. When you slow down, you have time to do a self-assessment. Am I angry right now? Am I defensive right now? Is what I'm about to say going to come back and bite me? When you slow down, it also allows you to assess the other person. What's really going on behind these words? Are they angry? Are they defensive? Is it possible that this person is a human being made in God's image who had a bad day and they need the same grace I need every day? We've got to slow ourselves down. And when we get baited into reacting, into yelling, and into gossiping, and into saying things that are going to harm us, we're going to cause a lot of trouble in our lives. This is reflected by the writer of Proverbs who says this in Proverbs 13.3, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. We've got to be slow to speak. And when you are surrendering your heart over to God, ask him, God, help me to really, really measure what I say in this moment. So number one, start strong. Number two, slow down. Here's the third one, speak life. Did you know that destructive words are a habit? The more you use them, the better at them you become. At the same time, constructive words are also a habit. The more you use them, the better at them you become. One of the most transformative experiences I ever had when it came to words occurred many years ago. I was working at a church, and we were, we were getting ready to celebrate Lent. Now, those of you who come out of Catholic backgrounds may be more familiar with Lent than those who don't. It actually predates Catholicism. But the idea is that as you're heading towards Easter, you identify something significant in your life that you could give up or that you could fast from in order to focus on Christ. And so our church staff was challenged to give something up for Lent. And so I decided to pick something easy, talking negatively about people. I didn't want to do something hard like giving up eating chocolate or drinking coffee, you know. So I just picked something simple, you know, like I checked the religious box, right? Turns out that God didn't let me off the hook so easily. Just after I made this commitment to stop talking negatively about people, I found myself tempted to do it over and over again by the hour, I kept feeling this temptation of 
wanting to complain and wanting to gripe and wanting to talk badly about other people to make myself feel better. And this reveals something very dark in my heart. I had to ask myself, why am I struggling so much with this? It's because it became a habit in my life, and I didn't even realize it. And so as I started putting this into practice and refraining from talking negatively about people, I started to replace that with positive behavior. Instead of complaining about my boss, I started complimenting him. Instead of griping about the church service, I began intentionally identifying the ways that God was speaking to me. Instead of joking or being sarcastic or being cynical, I began to be more encouraging. You know, many people... Uh, when, when, when they're thinking about taming the tongue, they just say, you know what, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. That may be appropriate in some circumstances. Maybe we just don't need to say anything. But that's not always the answer. Because sometimes your silence says more than your words. See, the answer isn't just keeping your mouth shut. The, the, the secret is we've got to speak words of life. And when we begin to, to understand that we actually have the power to do this, it unleashes this in our lives. Again, look at James's words in verse 9 of James 3. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So James affirmed we actually have the ability to speak life. Praise. And we have the ability to speak death cursing. It's the same mouth and the same amount of breath. We get to make that choice. And when you start, when you start strong and you're surrendering your life to Christ and asking him to cleanse the waters of your soul, and when you are slowing down, you start to realize, I'm not a slave to my tongue. My words are not just random utterances that come out with my control. I can choose to speak life. I don't have to gossip. I don't have to complain. I don't have to curse. I don't have to tear down. I can choose to encourage. I can choose to speak the truth in love. I can choose to offer godly advice. I can choose to praise God and praise people made in the image of God. I actually can make that choice. Again, I love what the what the Proverbs say about this. Listen to Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You and I possess this power. And according to James, he says, you want to find, you want to spot an authentic Christian over a counterfeit one? Just look for the ones that speak life. You know, perhaps for many of us in here, this is a sensitive topic. Because maybe you're carrying with you the guilt today of something that you said that caused a lot of damage. Maybe you're carrying the pain of, of words that you've spoken over people that have been very harmful. Or maybe you just got caught up in coarse joking with the coworkers. Or everyone around you just uses foul language, you sort of absorbed it by proxy. Or maybe you got baited into the gossip and started saying things that you, you can't take back and you're feeling the guilt of this. The good news is this, that if Christ is in your life, you can make a change today. You can rededicate this area of your life back to him. 
and say, Jesus, I need you to change the source in my heart. You know, many people, when they say something offensive, they kind of joke around and say, oh, I don't have a filter. The answer is not a new filter. The answer is a new source. And remember James's words, no human being can do this. We all stumble in many ways, is what he said in verse 2. He said, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. No one can do this on their own. We need Jesus. Because here's the thing. There was a person who never stumbled in any way. There was a person who was never at fault in what they said. There was a person who was able to keep their whole body in check. And that person is Jesus. Even after he was unjustly arrested and slapped and spit on, he never said even the smallest bad word about his captors. And they tried to find bad things about him and couldn't, so they had to produce false witnesses whose stories didn't even line up. And even then, Jesus never spoke a harsh word toward anyone. And even as Jesus hung on the cross, he prayed for the people who nailed him there. That's the kind of person I want to follow. But this isn't just any ordinary person. This is God in the flesh. Jesus isn't some distant deity that we can't know, but he's someone who stepped out of heaven, took on humanity so that he could die in our place. And I wonder how many of you today are just sort of discovering for the first time that you've never experienced the internal transformation of Jesus. And you know you better than anyone knows you. And you know that in your soul is salt water. You've never been cleansed. Well, today, that can change. Jesus makes a promise that when we place our faith in him, he will have an exchange with us. He'll take away all of our sin. And in exchange, he offers forgiveness. He offers power to make it through each day. He offers us eternity in heaven with him but it starts with us surrendering our lives to Jesus. Have you ever done that before? I'm not talking about asking him to bless you or showing up at church. I'm talking about praying to Jesus, confessing your sins to him, and inviting him to be the Lord of your life. If you've never done that, would you like to do that today? If so, in just a moment, I can help you do that. I want to give you a prayer that you could repeat after me. I'll give you some words to pray, but you've got to believe them. And you've got to earnestly pray those up to heaven. And if you do, I believe that God will hear you and he will come into your heart and he will cleanse you of your sin and he will change you so that you can live a life that honors him. So if you've never intentionally invited Jesus into your life, I want to help you do that right now. I want to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. Online campus, this goes for you too. Take a moment to just search your heart. If you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, a relationship, then I want you to repeat these words after me in the silence of your heart. Jesus, today I place my faith in you. Jesus, today I give you my heart. Jesus, I believe that you died in my place. And I confess my sins to you. And I ask that you forgive me. Change me, O oh God. Rearrange me, O oh God. 
so that I could stop living the way I'm living and live a new life that honors you. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I want to challenge you to let somebody know. If you're watching this online, there's some links you could follow. But for those of you who are here in the room, you received a program today, there's a perforated card at the bottom. You could just fill that out. And there's a little box on here that says, I said yes. You could just drop that in the offering bag when it comes by here in just a minute. And we'd love to be able to follow up with you. Maybe you have received Christ, but you've never taken another step. We want to help you do that too. You can grab your phones right now and text the word next to 909-281-7797. And we'll exchange a few messages with you to help you take that next step. Maybe you want to get involved in serving. You want to meet some people, get in a life group. You need someone to talk to, whatever. Text next to 909-281-7797. Or you can stop by the next steps table in our lobby on your way out. Somebody's waiting right there, right now, to have that conversation with you. Friends, next week we're going to talk about James chapter 4. And it's all about finding peace in our lives. So be thinking now who you can invite with you to hear this powerful word from the Bible. Until then, let's remember that this little muscle in our mouths has the power to scorch the earth. And if we're going to tame it, we need to start strong. Make sure you are inviting Christ into your life at the start of your day to cleanse those waters. And slow down. Be slow to speak. Be measured in your words. And let's choose to speak life. We can do it. It's the same amount of breath. And may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, please forgive us for how we fall short in this area. So many of us are so quick with our tongues and we are so hard hurtful and harmful, and we need your grace and we need your help. And so I confess on behalf of my brothers and sisters, my sins in this area, and we ask that you empower us to make some progress, to not just write this off as funny or as personality, but to see to it that we have the power of life and death in our tongues, Lord. Please help us to exercise that power to help others and give you glory. As we prepare to give an offering, God, I pray that we would all see that this is a, an act of worship, an act of generosity, giving to you what you've already given to us in the first place. And so, God, I ask that you multiply these gifts so that more can be reached, more can be changed, more can be impacted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We need you. We call upon you for help. And if you believe in your heart, then somebody say, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.